So for years now, I've been looking for a donation platform that I really like. I've looked at everything from Patreon to internal systems to you name it. And the truth is, is that I've not found a donation platform I like until now. Because I wanted to be able to provide all of you with information beyond what I offer in the podcast and on my blog and through social media channels and whatnot that would be helpful to you and then also a way for people to donate one-off. So if you want to, you can do monthly donation or just do one donation. And recently I found a platform that I think I really like and I am going to start using called buy me a coffee so if you would like to support this podcast please go to buymeacoffee.com slash opera and coffee i'm going to put it in the show notes in every episode and you can donate there you can either donate one time and buy me like one coffee three coffees five coffees by the way aside i do drink coffee every day <laughs> sometimes multiple times a day um and you if that you can do that that's great you can also become a member of the opera and coffee house it's what i'm calling my buy me a coffee site and then i will give you content that is helpful for a career in the performing arts extra things and then also i'm going to add some vocal pedagogy to it so if you want to join and get information about vocal pedagogy singing uh, vocal technique, things like that, or uh, career things, helpful career things like I talk about on this podcast, then that's the place for all of it. And I think this is going to be a really, really good platform. I've seen it work for a lot of other people, and I just think it's really cool. I think it's great that you can donate once if you feel like it, or you can become a member monthly and get content. And then if you want to, you can stop at any time. So I think it's pretty cool. And also it has an app. That's really important. I wanted something that had an app that people could open anytime they wanted to. So check it out. Buymeacoffee.com slash opera and coffee. And I hope to see you there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Opera and Coffee podcast. Today, I have Megan Ean in here. Yay! Yay! Hi, Candace. Hi. <laughs> and uh, Megan is an old friend of mine uh, who has helped me a lot with my career and my life and the singing universe. And so I obviously wanted Megan to talk to all of you, also because Megan makes so many of her own opportunities, which I think is really great. That's that's like. Thank you. You're like the master of, <laughs> you are. I was like, you know, I'm always looking at all of your things on Instagram and I'm like, man, it's fabulous. So I'm like, oh, start Candace. <laughs> ah, there you go. We'll just like start throwing it at you there. Um, so uh, how I always start this conversation, Megan, is I ask uh, like, what's your story? How did you get mm -hmm. here? You know, what's your story yeah. in music? 
Historian music is maybe similar to a lot of people that kind of come up in the classical singing like world is that, you know, we start singing from a very young age. I also played other instruments, so took piano lessons and viola lessons and, uh, and played, you know, through college and everything. I went to a small liberal arts college. And when I was heading off to college, I really thought that like my one dream in life was to be like a high school choir teacher, like choir director, because that's where I had like these really uh, meaningful experiences, right? And I just thought, oh, wow, what is it like to be able to create that or to be the person who kind of makes that possible for people? And so I have a deep love for people that kind of, that are teachers, directors, conductors in that way where you you create this community like year after year after year and like students come into that and they leave, you know, obviously better musicians, but also better members of a community. And so you can see where I get on my, where I get on my BS about uh, <laughs> community and stuff like that. Oh comes yeah, totally. These, it comes from these types of experiences. And I went on, you know, and I think you've probably heard me tell this story before, but I, I had my voice teacher in high school that I told her, you know, I was planning on studying to become a choir teacher. And she thought, and well, she re responds to me. She goes, well, Megan, have you, have you ever thought about performing in like true dramatic fashion? I'm like, I don't know, Renee, do you think I could? <laughs> like, and she's like, I mean, it's worth a shot. <laughs> like, and to, to be fair, she's super practical about it. She was just like, clearly you love it. Do you know that it's an option? And I was mm -hmm. like, I, it just hadn't occurred to me. And I think right. so many, Candace, I feel like you probably understand that or have had students that also feel mm -hmm. that way where they're studying and they know, obviously, I know conceptually that people have these performance careers. I've seen them, mm -hmm. but, and I have family that's in the, my parents are both in the arts, all of that right. stuff, but it never occurred to me that that was available to me to yes. be a performer. And, and so me too. I always try to tell that story, right? It's like, right. Do you feel that way? Yeah. I mean, I very similar story to you, um, which I know whenever you told me at one point, like you were the, you went to liberal arts school and I was like, really Megan, me too. Yeah. And I went for music ed. I have an undergrad yeah. in music education K through 12. Yeah. And um, actually it's really interesting because one of my, previous guests on the podcast was a friend I went to college with and we were both music ed majors together but we both went down this path of performing she ended up in the musical theater realm and yeah. she is now getting her MFA in theater at West Virginia University but like literally has performed all over the United States in non-union theater amazing and in some union houses too but like and, and it was weird because we both had this conversation of like when we were in high school we were like, yeah, I think I'll go like, you know, be a choir director and direct the musical. And in my case, I actually wanted to be a band director. Yeah. Back to yeah. Back. <laughs> You're like, but like, but I went to school for voice because I was lazy um, and I didn't want to practice my French horn and don't ask me to play it now. I, I, mm, I have no amateur. It's bad. <laughs> you know what? Horn is hard, man. <laughs> I loved it though. And I was like a solid third horn. 
I was yeah. actually very useful because like I could play decent high notes, but I wasn't like a soloist by any stretch. Yeah. So they were always <laughs> like, yeah, you can go into the third horn spot and like, that's yeah. fine. Right. Well, and that's kind of how my whole life with viola has been because right. I love playing viola in ensemble but my Same. viola teacher was always like Megan do you want to try out for this thing do you want to do this thing? and I was like no that's okay I just really I like playing <laughs> yeah yeah so so I mm -hmm. kind of you know kept that and then mm -hmm. yeah they I mean I think the other parts of my journey similarly like I did my so I I graduated early from undergrad and I knew that I really wanted to go and do my master's and I knew that I probably mm -hmm. needed kind of um like a name school or somebody who had a lot of connections and a lot more experience, right? Because my undergrad, while really wonderful in certain ways, was small and didn't have, you know, uh, like staged operas and stuff like that mm -hmm. to be Same. a part of. And so I'm yeah. looking ahead going, oh, I have this area of, you know, work that I don't have any experience to really show. I did tons of everything else that I could get my hands on, right? It was like mm -hmm. every other type of thing that you're like gung-ho about. But then, so I so I did my master's at Peabody, ended up staying in Baltimore, you know, for years. And while there had such a great experience of kind of getting involved with new music, I studied with Phyllis Brynjolfsson, who is kind of like a an icon mm -hmm. of, you know, modern <laughs> like uh, voice yeah. and stuff like that, all, all that good stuff. And, and so, throughout that whole time I was really thinking like opera new music kind of 50 50 and then over time and when I had moved away from Baltimore it just kind of turns out that that's what I got called for you know mm -hmm. it, I had built enough of a reputation for being able to convey that kind of music and and perform that kind of music and work well with ensembles and stuff that that that's yeah. that people were seeking me out for those things while I was still kind of you know pitching myself for other opportunities mm -hmm. and I just found that I really loved it I think one of the other things that we kind of talked about ha I have talked about in the past is that um I don't want to say that this is always the case for everybody but I found that I financially to try and keep going in certain parts of the opera world was more challenging than I could could overcome so mm -hmm. I I realized that I was not set up in a way where I could go do a young artist program and and not really make money for that amount of yeah. time and and the the expense of that so that is not mm -hmm. to say that uh, if I did have that then suddenly it would be a totally different story I just that was a part that was really um really acute in the moment mm -hmm. I was like well I can't afford to do this <laughs> mm -hmm. so if I can't afford to do this I'm not I can't apply to do this either because I know I'm just gonna have to say no on the other side right if, totally if offered right mm -hmm. and so while I I did do some programs like that I did some opera programs and I did a lot of like performing in operas around the you know the mid-Atlantic region um I I kept feeling like a little like stymied in that trying to move forward on that, what that path kind of looked like for a young artist mm -hmm. and I realized that in new music stuff that wasn't there in the same way our festivals yeah. are shorter um and and while some of them you know are there like you pay to go but it's not as costly in some things and then also I was getting yeah. professional gigs 
a, in that in that realm a lot earlier you know um sure so it helped to kind of like go it just was like the doors were more open so mm-hmm. I just kept going through them <laughs> yeah 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 um it's interesting you say that because something I tell my students a lot because they're there's a lot of focus in the world of musical theater mm-hmm. on how to brand yourself and your type mm-hmm. and all of yep. that kind of stuff. Yep. Some of that is dying because like right. musical yeah, theater yeah. is opening up a lot more. The modern literature is a lot more um, friendly to like mm-hmm. different ideas. I mean, even yeah. right now we have a woman playing Hermes on Broadway in Town, which is fabulous. Right, exactly. I think that's great. Yeah. And I had a friend that actually went to her, her opening last night. Yeah. And it Amazing. was fabulous. And he's like, it totally worked. Like it worked. Yeah. And yeah. But, and and that is starting to happen more in musical theater, but there is still the um the old timey stuff, like your music man's and your, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even that stuff is getting some some differences in opinion about, you know, casting. But a lot of my students are very concerned about like getting work, understandably, mm-hmm. because we yeah. are in an expensive field even though they have a much stronger union than the world of like opera. Um, And I get that. I'm like, you're young, you want to make, you want to make it. And especially my international students trying to go through the OPT 01 visa mess. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I I get it. Um, But one of the things I always tell them is like, you're not going to know in some ways until you put yourself out there and see how the universe sees you yeah mm-hmm. and sees how you can get hired and also maybe what you perceive yourself to be or are is going to be different from what people will hire you for yeah and you always yeah. have to be aware of that um because i you know i'm a soprano and i sing the big prima donna stuff Yep. But I've done a lot of work as a character mezzo, weirdly. Yep. Yeah. Because like I have the middle and yeah. I am a funny person and a decent actor. So I've done a fair, I've done Ruth and Pirates of Penzance yes, multiple times, right? things like that, you know, yep. um, which I'm fine with. I understand that makes me money. I also understand yeah. that realistically my voice is Tosca. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, right. it's one of those things that you always have to like keep in mind too is like the thing that pays the bills and then also training yourself as an artist which i think yeah. kind of you have to hold loosely oh totally when you're, when you're young. Little, yeah <laughs> it's like, different yeah one of my little like mechanisms that i that i always say is mm-hmm. that you're responsible for picking your interests and the market will pick your niche right? Mm. So you can, you can tell them what you want to be doing all day long, but the things that you keep getting hired for are what the market knows about you. <laughs> so Absolutely. Like, but that should free you a little bit is mm-hmm. and also, you know, like I teach, teach branding and all of that stuff, both mm-hmm. like, you know, in the kind of academy and also in like in outside of a in professional life, right? So mm-hmm. teaching these things means that yes, of course, I want you to understand like what you're about, but this is really much more about like, what are your interests? What drives you? What are you inspired by? All of that good stuff so that we can write things like an artist statement, but then, and then fill out like, here's my resume. Here are the things that I've done, but that's also so that we can kind of put that information here. My interests, this is what I'm about out there. 
mm-hmm. so that people can then pick us. But then overall, you can't be responsible. You, you're not responsible for other people's choices. So if right. they're picking you and you keep getting picked for the same thing, then that's naturally going to rise to the, to the surface. And, and so mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I mean, make sure that you pick things that you like to do. <laughs> so it's like, right, I like right. music. So, but if I, you know, if I got all uptight about it and was like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be only doing this. I, w- I want to make sure that people know that I can sing, you know, Mozart Requiem too, or something mm-hmm. like that. Then it's, it's going to be, then I'm going to be like fighting this rather than just being like, oh no, I'm really mm-hmm. interested in this, what this X, Y, Z. And then I get called for these kinds of things. Mm, great. Cool. Yeah. You know, yeah, totally toss it out there. So, mm-hmm. so I totally understand that's kind of a bull fan, which is, but I do think it really comes down to like, know your interests. Like that's the part that you're responsible for mm-hmm. and be able to communicate those things, but then release the expectations of like what other people are going to pick you for, because you can't, you can't know, yes. you can't like it, it's that's on them. That's their decision. <laughs> right. Right. That's, I think that is a great statement. I, I'm going to add that to like, I use a lot of mechanisms in school. I always like, <laughs> put you at the bottom of the powerpoint too like um you always use the one where you talk about the three legs of a career i talk about that in my business class where it's like yeah it's networking craft and materials Materials. yes yes and i that's one of the first things i bring up and then i i have at the bottom of the powerpoint i'm like from Megan Enan, because I like <laughs> I hate plagiarizing people. I'm not going to tell them I, I came appreciate up with that. that attribution. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, but I use that a lot because I feel like, and I have to explain because I work in a conservatory environment, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, you're learning a lot of craft. Like yes. we're in the my class, and then we have like one or two shorter classes in their last semester. Yep. Deal with the materials, like mm-hmm. self tapes and your resume and your website and your cover letter and all that stuff but the network is on you friend um and that and the uh, one of the things i always tell them too uh, because i'm like a very amateur gardener um you scatter your seeds or Uh you like plant your seeds not all of them bloom right away or not all of them may bloom right you just have to cast the net wide and see where the good soil is yep and and then you can figure out like from there Mm -hmm. what you're getting hired for you know and and you and i both know that not every this is one of those to be very clear no is no in Mm -hmm. in those circumstances that we're talking about uh also sometimes in singing a rejection is not a rejection until like it until you are done and like gone and not even here anymore, mm-hmm. right? A rejection just means, okay, maybe not this time, but if you, I have gotten so many things where I was rejected initially and then the person Same. came back like in the next season and said, hey, I remembered your audition for this thing mm-hmm. or remembered remembered this thing that you know didn't work out, this project that was gonna happen, but didn't work out. And I'd love for you to come do this. Mm-hmm. Are you available? And that's that kind of stuff that as you're building, you never know. And that's like the sprinkling your seeds, planting those seeds, so important because you never know when something is going to be like, you know, quickly blooming or maybe long-term blooming 
or mm-hmm. not the right fit at all. And that's okay. That's just right. Have a try. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Part of it, the game, right? That I'm grabbing my coffee because it's opera and that's coffee. Right. So. You do that. I I have coffee, but it's almost gone. It's like the dregs <laughs> of the coffee. I am unfortunately very caffeine addicted. <laughs> oh, it's Girl. part of being a New Yorker. It's like right. I was less addicted, and then I moved here six years ago. <laughs> It's fine. Um, it's like our water here, basically, in New York is coffee. You know, we survive on coffee, bagels, and um, stinky garbage in the streets. Anyway, right. so, <laughs> um, I love living in New York. P.S. I really do. I I never thought I, I would be here, right? and now I am, and I absolutely love it. And that is not what I expected at all. And so, like, hey, you know, right. And you're in New is, Orleans, which is a fabulous city from what I've heard. I'm going to get there really someday. Great. Yes. Come down. Come visit me. <laughs> I know. I know. And one of my best friends here lived in New Orleans for 10 years. She's like, we need to yes. go down. And I'm like, one of these mm-hmm. days, I'm going to make it down to see Megan yes. and to hang out in this city that Magical everybody city. raves about. Yes. <laughs> my mom loves New Orleans. so. Well, this is my caveat then to also like make your way to whatever place feels supportive and motivating for you because I've also lived in places that that seemed right on paper and then Mm -hmm. I just felt like closed down all the time or didn't it was not the not the spot and so you know I love talking about places and what that means and like Mm -hmm. places and community and how that's that all combines right yeah so exactly what you're saying about new york is like you got there and then you were like oh yeah this is for me i'm Mm -hmm. this is where and and that's finding that place for you for anybody who's like listening is like you can literally you can make a career anywhere i promise you yes i've seen people do it from like tiny tiny towns like it doesn't doesn't matter so what Mm -hmm. you have to do though is think about okay well how can i put myself in places where uh, people are seeing me and hearing me Mm -hmm. and being able to take advantage of opportunities sometimes this can mean like yeah you live in a place that has a lower cost of living because then it allows Mm -hmm. you to be more flexible to take opportunities Mm -hmm. and gigs sometimes that's absolutely got to be right in the mix of something because then you're then you've got that proximity and stuff yeah whatever fills you up that's mm-hmm. where you got to be and so true and, right don't let somebody tell you like you have to live in this zip code for you My to God. have any sort of career <laughs> it's you know it's really interesting you say that because like i was born bred grew up went to undergrad and grad school in pittsburgh pennsylvania now pittsburgh mm-hmm. friends and I have a lot of them that listen to this that are still, you know, I'm very close to, has a great music community. I built really a does. resume in that city. I did. Yeah. And new music is huge in Pittsburgh. Because yeah, they got you've got a whole bunch so, of things going on. So much because there's so many institutions of higher ed and there's a lot of tech growing there because it's a former, you know, industrial city. And, you know, it's, yeah. And it's a very mm-hmm. educated city. People enjoy the arts. It's a very diverse city. Um, Mm -hmm. And I build a resume there, but I hit a point um, personally where I was just like, I felt like I was banging my head against the wall. I was just like, I am seen very specifically here. I'm not getting anywhere. And I very much remember my voice teacher at the time looking at me and saying, Candace, because I I had been offered a job in New York, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm gonna make a suggestion and that is to get out of pittsburgh yeah and by right? the way i also like i had sung in many other cities and traveled a lot for my career prior to moving to new york like yeah i had considered other places yeah i had sung like in canada and the u.s and italy like i'd been all around so yeah. when i decided to move to new york it was a very conscious decision and then right. i made the i and i remember actually seeing a joyce didonato master class where she was like i always gave myself an out yeah i gave myself the out of if i hate this in two years i'm gonna leave yeah right and so important I, to check in give yourself a check-in for sure exactly. like at this point i am going to I'm going to ask myself directly, is this working the way that I want it mm -hmm. to? And then if not, next thing, next chapter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. And if it is, it is yeah, working. If it and is, you're it like, is. let's keep going. <laughs> and I ended up moving here and loving it mm -hmm. in a way that I did not expect. And mm -hmm. and the thing that's interesting though is I've had a lot of friends who have had the opposite experience, which yep. is fine. Yeah. that is fine and like i have a lot of friends who are like i could never live in new york that is way too tough of a life for me and i'm like bless man it's yeah. it, and you know what no place is for everyone but exactly. you have to find the place that works for you and your mm -hmm. needs um and like i even had a student the other day tell me uh an international student actually and i was saying who wants to stay in new york because i do a whole presentation on like living in New York versus not living in New York. And um, I had a student who was very much like adamant, I'm leaving New York, going back to where I came from. Yeah. And a lot of the students in the class, here's the other thing, don't shame anybody for that. <laughs> All a lot of the students in my class were like, why? And this particular student said, you know, I want a house. I want a dog. Yeah. I want a spouse. I want yeah. a very like white picket fence life. Yeah. Um, and I also want to, their particular country does not have a lot of musical theater. Mm -hmm. I want to grow it more there. I, I want to mm -hmm. be the point person um, and the person that went away to the US yeah. and seriously studied this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the thing, like not everybody's path is going to be the, the same. I think we're kind of oh, fed that a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no. <laughs> Y'all didn't see what? her face there. <laughs> there I just face. rolled my eyes so oh, hard yeah. it woke the dog up. Like, like, uh. I just, like, no, nobody's path is the same. Like, mm -mm. and and that's the thing is, there's so many people working in parts of the arts that they didn't even discover that that kind of like what I was saying with my voice teacher, where mm -hmm. you didn't even know it was an option until you got deeper into the path and you realized oh, somebody does this, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't we talk about like dramaturgs or something like that where it's like, did you know at 12 years old what a, that dramaturg was available as a job? <laughs> like, no. no. <laughs> but no. you knew that you wanted to be in the arts and you were like following a path. And then as you get deeper into it, you become more experienced and you see, oh, that actually fits me even better. Or mm -hmm. wow, if I combine these couple of things, that's like, I could like chip away at that forever. I could work on that, make, mm -hmm. you know? And so that it, you mentioned earlier about, you know, make your own opportunities. And mm -hmm. all of that just comes from like, I just want to keep doing this. I want to keep doing yeah. this 
I have this desire. And when I'm working towards that, it feels good and meaningful and purposeful. And so, okay, I'm just always on the lookout for what are the threads that I need to pull together so that I can keep making things like that happen in my life. Mm-hmm. So that, that can be my life experience. And totally, if that's, and so follow whatever that is. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, the most interesting among us, and listen, <laughs> if you want to be artists, you have to have like, you have to be full of kind of creative vision. <laughs> like, yeah, you have to so be like following your own, your own thing have Mm -hmm. something to say right it doesn't mean that that's the the only way to be right but it does mean that you you know be a sponge for things think about things differently what are all of the unique aspects of myself that I can bring together in this little melting pot of a Mm -hmm. career and and have that right come on my gosh well I talked to Rebecca Haas not too long ago love her brilliant absolutely brilliant i mean it was such a brilliant conversation i listened to it over and over on my own podcast because i'm like i need all these lessons again Um, and then she was so kind she actually like sent me her like cd and everything like yeah like and and the thing is is rebecca was i'll have to tell her that i mentioned her (laughs) but she was telling me how she didn't compose until later in life yeah the irony of this there's a women's organization I'm part of in New York. Yeah. It's like a, that funds women's education. And one of the women that recently joined us um, is a jazz double bassist. Yeah. And we were just sitting there talking last night and she has started to compose and she's a late in life composer. Yeah. yeah. And it was really interesting because she's become part of this like uh, composers forum of sorts mm-hmm. in New York, mm-hmm. women's composers forum. Yep. And She's like, you know, I really started composing because I just needed to like explore more, um, you know, my craft more. And I just wanted to do something different because, Mm -hmm. you know, she's really been, and her husband's a jazz pianist too. So like, she's kind of been in that world of the New York jazz scene for a long time. And she was just like, I needed something else to do. So she's, she composed for like, you know, saxophone quartet and all this cool stuff. And I was talking to her about it and she's like, you know, I never imagined myself as a composer when I was a young musician. Right. Ever. Right. And Rebecca kind of, it came to it later in life too. And I just think that's great that people do that. Like, and, and I think it's cool whenever you can shift into different things and try new stuff. I'm the classic. I will try anything new. I'm like, ah, cool, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm going to have a good time, you know? Um, but like, I think that's so awesome when people can make those shifts into things. And I think it's also something, um, that we, I wish was talked about more in school because Mm -hmm. there is a point. I know that I hit it not too long ago, like in my early thirties where I burned out really bad. Mm -hmm. And then it was Mm -hmm. like, I was struggling to find that like inspiration Mm -hmm. and I found it in the weirdest places that had nothing to do with music. Yeah. Nothing. But like, and and one of the things was like my mom, there's a lot of painting. And so I was like, yeah, I'll explore this. Like I'm not the world's best painter, but like, who cares? Right. Um, but that opened the door of, Hey, maybe I can try this or try this or, yeah. you know, um, 
And so I always tell my students, it's kind of your job to stay inspired. Yeah. It's your job. It's part of what we do. You know, I mean, like $20 standing room tickets is an investment for you, you know, even if that's all you can afford. Yeah. Um, You know. Totally. And I think what also what you're saying resonates with me because of um, the farther you get along in your path of, of your own technique and craft and skill mm-hmm. is that things be- can become more narrow. Oh and my gosh, Megan, yes. You get, <laughs> you get very used to working very hard to achieve a high level of quality in this area. And that becomes kind of the bar for everything. But if you kind of take yourself out of that and give yourself mm-hmm. permission to play and explore and be <laughs> mediocre at something, <laughs> like just like mm-hmm. try something else and be like, it's fine. There's, there's nothing riding on this, mm-hmm. right? I don't, there is nothing that I have to do except for just be here in this moment and reconnect with this creative spirit uh, mm-hmm. and, and let myself do that. Then that's great, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that you're still leaving space for that amidst working to to be undeniable in your primary skill your mm-hmm. primary craft that you're doing professionally right that's right. yeah of course we're gonna do that but then mm-hmm. give yourself that stuff on the other side that's that's part of that allowing balance and and allowing right. for yourself to like have outlets to try things and also just places where you don't give yourself pressure where there doesn't need to be pressure I think that's a big piece of it. You know, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. as um, professional musicians, also because we're we're put in the pressure cooker. It's like, oh yeah, especially when oh. you like go to conservatory or you go to school for music, theater, dance, whatever, and you're put in this pressure cooker of like, I, I hate to use this term, but I don't know any other term to use, perfectionism. Yeah. And it's, I, I have a colleague at work. I love this. Like if a kid cracks in a voice lesson, yeah, she tells them to go look outside and see if anybody on the street fell over dead. <laughs> and the reason she says that is because she's like, is it that big of a deal that you just cracked? No, it's part of the process. You're exploring a new part of your voice. That's just like, sometimes that's what happens. All you can do is get curious and figure out why. And like, yeah. And then I stole that from her because I still think she's totally. (laughs) Bag borrow steal. Um, But it's so important to do things like that and to to kind of hold everything loosely. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's a lot of pressure. Those of you who are younger who are listening, I know there's a lot of you because you're my former students. it's and I know the pressure's on and yeah. I live in the city of pressure for the arts. Yeah. Right. But in the same vein, I think it's you also have to understand how much of it is not is not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know. All you can do is all you can do. That's it. Like just bring yeah. yourself to that each day. You're growing, you're learning, you are taking in new information all the time. And mm-hmm. and that idea of I'm going to bring my you know bring my best self bring my favorite self to this right now Mm -hmm. in this moment and and then 
keep doing that as often as possible. Right. With, Mm -hmm. and then coming back to that releasing of outcomes, I cannot control these outcomes. All I can do is control myself in this moment and bring this to this situation and then go, okay, well on to the next, right? What else am I cultivating right now? Talking about Mm -hmm. planting your garden. What am I, what are all of the things that I'm cultivating at the Mm -hmm. moment? You know, Candace, you and I both have projects we have so many projects that we are just like watering mm-hmm. little by little. Oh yeah. Oh may time. not ever even see the light of day. Yeah. But they might. And so mm-hmm. we're thinking like, you know, they 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 exist in a in a descriptive kind of way mm-hmm. because if that if that funding suddenly happens, I'm ready to go. Right. Yeah. That's the stuff that we're talking about, which is like is working on something so that if some, if the audition comes up, you got it, you're ready to, mm-hmm. like, you're ready to show up with your most prepared self, right? If totally. if that grant comes through, you are ready to make it happen. If mm-hmm. that booker is like, I actually do want this show, like this, mm-hmm. this performance that you've put together, you're like, I'm ready, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're just adding to all of that stuff that you want to see out in the world mm-hmm. so that when the pieces align you can just like put them together (laughs) totally totally it's I also talked to my sister um Mm -hmm. who works for the well she has a career in museum administration yeah Yeah. my sister's a development coordinator for a museum and it's really interesting she also hires musicians for like their gallery nights things like that in a small town it's Erie Pennsylvania um she works for the Erie Art Museum Um, yeah that's awesome it's funny you and her could totally get into the creative placemaking and yes. community thing. That's like my sister's bread and butter, and she loves yes. that. Um, but one of the things my sister also said is she's like, you know, you you have to fit what we need, mm-hmm. and I, but she keeps like basically her own personal Rolodex. It's yeah. a very dated term, but like of people, like she keeps yeah. up with like groups that she sees on social media and that people talk about and keeps notes about it and like she's like you might not be right now but you might be down the line Mm -hmm. um and another thing i tell my students this because i was told this in a master class and it just always stuck with me maybe because i just really like ice cream because this is an (laughs) ice cream metaphor but it works um so i was in a master class once with I, I believe an agent or a casting director. I cannot remember mm-hmm. which one, and I don't remember which masterclass this was. I hate to say it. I've been to a lot of them. But this particular um, gentleman, I do remember it was a guy, said, you know, when you walk into the room to do an audition mm-hmm. and you start to sing and your voice is the equivalent of strawberry ice cream yeah and my favorite ice cream is chocolate and i'm just not a fan of strawberry right there is nothing wrong with your voice nope, absolutely not nothing. a single thing it's mm-hmm. just that i personally do not like strawberry ice cream yeah but down the hall there might be somebody who doesn't like chocolate and like strawberry exactly and exactly. i never ever forgot that right right and, and right? i also like tell my students that, you know, and yeah. I don't know how many times, I mean, I'm sure this has happened to you too, where I've auditioned for something 
then I got a phone call from a totally different person. Yeah. Or an email yep. from a totally different person. And they're like, so and so said you'd be good for this, even though you didn't get the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's like, this is just right. how the the world works in that sense. Yes. Well, and we were talking about, or I, you know, I was talking about this with a friend the other day about the shooting for a hundred rejections a year thing. I'm sure you've talked about I've done this. It. So yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, it's actually kind of hard to do. It is. <laughs> it's hard. Right. And so the idea being like, just, and keeping track of it, right. If you're shooting for, if you've given yourself the permission to get a hundred of them, right. Mm -hmm. Then you you've changed the parameters of your own game. You're not afraid of being rejected for something mm -hmm. because you've turned it into your own challenge to put yourself out there, right? You've right. changed the parameters so that it's not out, like it's not outcomes based on only getting the gig, right? Because then mm -hmm. we stop ourselves from putting ourselves out there because it's safer for us to not get the rejection, right? Mm -hmm. If we're on that side. But once we start right. giving us or giving ourselves the game of getting a hundred rejections, you've taken away this power and you're saying well i have to get 100 rejections so i gotta put it out there whether or not i get it you know mm -hmm. that's irrelevant now and so mm -hmm. the knock-on effect of putting yourself out there it completely outweighs mm -hmm. the the bummer that it is to not get something and yeah. even if it doesn't feel like that in the moment right because it might mm -hmm. feel really intense to not get something that you really really wanted mm -hmm. but you never know what's on the other side of that. So it's like, you have to just kind of keep putting yourself out there. You And it's okay yeah. to hear no's. It's okay to hear people say like, this isn't right for us or not this time or whatever. And because you just put it in your column of rejections and you move on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's so true. And another thing I talk to my students about, and this is another thing, like, y'all, I love working in higher ed, but I have, I have, opinions um <laughs> uh, don't we all. Mm. um but like there's a lot of focus on like especially in the musical theater realm but also in the opera realm of like what's your dream role and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and i get that and i think it's helpful as an exercise or yeah. like what are roles that you see yourself in and all of this stuff and then mm -hmm. like you really hone in and focus on like those four or five things and you have the four or five arias you have the or you go in with your audition book in musical theater you have yeah. this very specified like list of things now mm -hmm. like is like we talked about earlier within in terms of like what you're hired for versus what you are as an artist yeah but i this is something that i has always like confounded me is like there's so much focus on like these couple of pieces of music and getting them absolutely perfect <laughs> rather than creating a body of work yeah that right. really bothers me <laughs> like so much because in reality like when you start to like do this life as a musician mm -hmm. you're building a repertoire and a body of work yeah so that you know i've sung for our requiem now a thousand times right and, and but i can pick it up and i can sing that soprano part because i'd done it before yeah. or like you know mozart requiem or uh, yeah. whatever insert yep. that here or something new that mm -hmm. not like maybe you have built skills from something else so you can apply 
Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. and it functions more like a ball rolling yeah. rather than this, like, I don't know, very intense giant sitting on, like, on the ball saying you have to, like, I don't even know. That was a terrible <laughs> metaphor, but you want to know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, well, I think, Candace, if you'll kind of go with me on this for a second, I, I think there's something in here to be said about whether or not we are seeking approval or Mm. seeking our future selves as artists absolutely and if i am in this life to seek approval and gain approval from Mm. from peers and you know um people in in farther in their path than i am the they the they in this the magical they right then then that's that's fine that's a you know what I, I don't care. That's a valid enough cause. Like, go ahead and yeah, do that sure. if that's your thing. But my thing is not that. And my mm-hmm. thing is to to perform and to make music. And I happen to get to work with tons of composers mm-hmm. and create music with amazing musicians. And the more that I focus on that and the fact that that's what I want to do, then I just start mm-hmm. to go like, I perform all the time. I get to make this stuff all the time. Yeah. I'm not it was more important to me to be performing and in that space mm-hmm. than waiting to be approved. I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I am already so giving myself permission. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I keep, I keep thinking of this as like the, I we might've talked about this with like the keeper of your own magic wand, right? You are deciding right now, mm-hmm. am I waiting for approval? Is it more important to me to be approved by this person or this person or this house or this venue or this series? Or am I wanting to make music? Am I wanting Mm -hmm. to put my artistic vision out into the world? Right. And I'm going to find people with whom I'm going to do that, right? It's a lot easier for me to think about, well, all the ways that I could collaborate. These people will probably want to work on that. And maybe we can approach this space and maybe we can make this happen. And, and just kind Mm -hmm. of figure that stuff out. But it is, it has always been more important to me to get into the doing Mm -hmm. of the thing rather than waiting for permission to do the thing. And, and it's, like I said, if you, if you are spending a lot of time auditioning right now, Mm -hmm. or being wait or waiting to be asked for Mm -hmm. something, ask yourself if if that's your primary motivation is, do I need this approval before I allow myself to be the artist I want to be? Or mm-hmm. am I ready to be this artist now? Am I ready to be this musician now? And what are all of the ways that I'm going to be able to do that? Because like you said, building a body of work mm-hmm. requires collaborators, Yes, requires like a team. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily require approval from those people right that's not the only way you can be in the Mm -hmm. world of music or the world of theater or the world of art is to get that person to Mm -hmm. be like yes I deem you worthy of this particular role so Mm -hmm. if you're standing in line at that audition there's like hundreds of you walking through that day and you go is it do I feel strongly enough that I need to be doing this particular thing? Right. And sometimes you do, right. Oh yeah. You are, like, you know, that that is where you need to be in that moment. 
And sometimes you're there because you're like, this is my only path to the thing that I want. Mm -hmm. And that if you're feeling that way, that's the one where I want you to stop and go, there's millions of paths. How can I get into the doing Mm -hmm. without having to like, you know, beg for somebody's approval in the scenario. Right. And, and just, and so that's, that's the thing I want to keep coming back to, which is like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't get a, I didn't get, get a master's so I could spend the, the highlights of my performance career in an audition room. Like, mm-mm. I feel the exact same way. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Yeah, no, it's so true. And um, yeah, I had a thought and then I lost it. <laughs> but like, no, that's, that is such a good statement, I think because oh i know what i was going to say um my friend that i interviewed previously on the podcast josie um has chosen to not has was given the opportunity for her equity card and chose not to take it which is something that i always talk to my students about i'm like they're always like what do you mean you have to be ready yeah Uh, and i'm like well first off it's different for everyone Mm -hmm. and some people financially really need their equity card i understand that but because of the types of roles that Josie plays, she chose to wait. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, is that the reason she chose to wait, which I thought was so interesting, is she's like, I wanted to keep making art and doing my craft. Yeah. I didn't want to sit and wait for some equity house to approve me. Yeah. Now, I mean, granted, like you have to be in a certain situation financially to be able to do that. Right, right. But I thought that was a very savvy choice. Yeah. Um, and and also, I I tell a lot of my students. This is also a Meganism. I tell my students, by the way, if you have to take a break, that's fine because nobody <laughs> takes your singer card. Nobody <laughs> takes your singer card. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, and as a person who's taken breaks, both long and short. And sometimes you do, sometimes you really, especially if you burn out bad, like Mm -hmm. sometimes you just need to back up for a little bit and, you know, um, before you get into it away from you, you're the the only one. It's like Mm -hmm. you, you are the musician that you decide you are. You are the singer that you decide you are. Musicians are, you know, we're all musicians, Um, but right. You know, we're not, nobody takes that away just because you're not like doing the same like situation that somebody else is Mm -mm. like no Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's one of those things that i think um again it's this like prescribed path that we're told exists and i think it and i i want to like back up to something you said earlier which was like you realize that the yap situation for those of you that are in musical theater i feel like i have to define young artist yeah. program yeah. um situation like it was not financially viable for you mm-hmm. um i did that path for about eight-ish years mm-hmm. and then when i hit my early 30s i got to a point where i was like this is not financially viable for me anymore mm-hmm. i'm not going to do this anymore and i made a conscious decision to like step away from that like that path because i realized it wasn't working and i think you also have to give yourself permission that even if there's the prescribed path that somebody has told you is like the way it works blah 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 which again there's a million paths that's a farce 
But the thing is, is that you have to give yourself the permission to be like, I'm going to do what's right for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to consciously walk away from this Mm -hmm. and forge my own situation that works for me specifically. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. And you know what, I'm going to add to this, which is I made a similar decision about like between going to festivals and teaching at festivals. (laughs) Ah. There was a certain point in my life where I was like, and uh, I don't know, I, maybe I shouldn't say it this way, but like, this is how I felt about it in my brain where Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't go to festivals. I'm not a participant at festivals anymore. I teach at festivals. There you go. That's where we are. Totally. But I do want to share this part with your listeners, which is that transition does not come without awkwardness. (laughs) Oh yeah. Do not worry. The times. So do not, if you are also making choices about this is part of a previous chapter of my life. And this is the next chapter of my life. And you're Mm -hmm. in that transition between whatever the former and the latter is, then there will be awkward moments that are very just private. You're going to get your ass handed to you. And (laughs) you can say, it's fine. (laughs) And we're in New York. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Where people will tell you, that they don't see you that way yet. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, I'm just letting you know that I see myself that way now. So here we go, right? Oh yeah. But there are plenty of those moments and you have multiple transition points in a career where you feel like you're, you're doing this next thing, right? Whatever that is, where it can feel very much like you're at the beginning again of something, even if you oh, felt like, God. wow, I really got to a point of familiarity and and felt like I knew what I was doing in this one area. And then the minute that you're transitioning into like a, a different level or whatever it is that mm-hmm. you think about it, that transitions are, are very like rife with messy. awkwardness. They're messy. <laughs> so so just so messy. Don't feel alone in that when, when you are navigating that and people maybe respond to you and say mm-hmm. like, who do you think you are? And you're like, well, this is who I think I am now. <laughs> so... <sighs> I feel this so hard. I went, no, I do. We have such similar lives, Megan. Um, (laughs) We're all so similar. Um, In 2015, I think it was, I was singing at Miami Music Festival. Yeah. I was in Albert Herring and which I will, I could sing Benjamin Britten for the rest of my life. I'm one of those few people that's like, oh my God, hand me all of the mid-century me and minati were like yeah right, i love minati i love britain i love that's like my favorite thing to sing yeah. like right in there yeah. and like barber i love that shit anyway yes that's my stuff right there like yeah. and i i love all the modern composition and i love the stuff that came before it but like that stuff mm-hmm. i love it so much that's like my right. favorite thing to sing like if I'm having a bad day, the papers aria, man, that is, that's my shit. You're like, that's my go-to. <laughs> that's my go-to. The papers and embroidery, man. Uh, right? Anyway, so it's just really interesting though. Like I was at that festival and I took a business class. That's actually where I learned yeah. to build websites and all this stuff. Yeah. And the guy that ran that festival had lived like, you know, the very crazy freelancer life before he started that festival. And he was yeah. actually also a, a conductor at washington national opera and um yeah really great guy um 
my shout out to michael rossi great guy yes he was but in that class i remember him saying like he needed to make money in his 20s and he did exactly what i did which was he taught a lot of little kid piano lessons yeah. i did the same thing for a very long mm -hmm. time and also i worked public school that's a whole other story for another day um which was crazy but i primarily taught kids through the entirety of my 20s which was yeah. great and it yeah. it served its purpose for the time that i did it and i those of you that teach primarily kids i have a lot of friends that do it do it bless you you are doing the lord's work yeah. <laughs> you are because like i mean i uh zoltan koda i even said like you know i'd rather replace like the music director at a major opera house than the the local um music teacher because right. she, she or he makes more of a difference in the community right. absolutely right, right. like very important people in our community absolutely um, but i remember him saying and this was second or third year this was in existence fairly young festival but like it was established he said you know i just gave up my last piano student a year ago yeah and i and he was mm -hmm. in the, like his mid-30s yep. and i remember being like wow you kept them that long but mm -hmm. then he said it was a very tough transition yep um and then when i gave up my last piano student which ironically was the month before the pandemic hit <laughs> wow literally literally <laughs> i was like that's a that's um, foresight at that I, point <laughs> no it was it was literally february i handed off my last three piano students to uh one of my alumni mm -hmm. and that literally like a month later the pandemic hit it was wow. crazy um but it was really interesting because they were my last like hanger honors mm -hmm. and i put it off and put it off and then i was finally like I am teaching voice in college now. I have all of these professional people that are taking lessons off me. I need to just make the transition. And yep. it was slow, friends. It was like, yeah. it took me like three or four years. But I made a very slow transition to like teach professionals and not kids. Yeah. And yeah. it was tough and it's yeah. awkward. And I still get mm -hmm. phone calls and I still get text messages from people that are like, hey, will you teach my seven year old piano? And I'm like, I have friends. Yeah. <laughs> I have people I can like, Let me to, introduce you to these people. I don't do that anymore. And that is a very mm -hmm. awkward thing to do, right? Yeah. Well, um, and you have you to have a like, plan for that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You have to be. And I am the person, um, I am, I'm Rust Belt all the way. So I am practical to a fault. Um, <laughs> My people and we are also not going to give up an income stream without really thinking about no, no, it. No, 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 no. Well, you're from <laughs> Iowa, and yes. my my former roommate was from Iowa, and um, I I know you people. You're very similar <laughs> to my people. I was like, this is how we get along. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the farm people and the and the steel mill people. Yes. Um, it's it, but it's just really interesting because like I came from a very practical family. And so I'm instilled with that. That's part of who I am. And so like, again, I won't give up an income stream until I have something stronger on the other side of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea, but maybe that's where we're going to marry that idea from before where we said always have an exit strategy or always have an yes. out, right? Which is for each one of your income streams, take a look at it and go, when 
when do I want this to, when do I want to close this chapter? Like what is happening in my life in which I don't do this anymore? Right. And right. that, and that might be, the answer might be never. I love this so much. There's never an end. To this. Sure. Absolutely. Like, right. That's fine. Yeah. But also perhaps you're doing an income stream that's in tandem or a parallel thing with, with something else you're doing. And then you say, I am actually going to think this through. I'm going to put a number on this mm-hmm. part of my business that I'm trying to grow. Mm-hmm. If it gets to X number of dollars a year or whatever, or I see that it's growing in such a way mm-hmm. that this becomes obsolete in what mm-hmm. I do, I am going to lovingly close this part down, right? Or yeah. put it on hiatus. It doesn't mean it goes away forever. You're like, hey, listen, I'm taking a hiatus for five years. I don't know. Whatever, whatever <laughs> like, yeah. But the whole point is like, still just take a look at it for right now with whatever your income streams are in your business currently and say, okay, what does it look like when I transition out of this? And right. you know, who am I then? What's going on in my life in which this is no longer a supportive aspect of what I'm trying to do? Exactly. Set it down lovingly. Right. <laughs> or even, and I, I have a, there's a, podcaster I listen to and he always says this and I I have to like I've really taken this like sometimes things end because they were good yeah like I've really taken that to heart because like um sometimes do sometimes you have to end a chapter and it was good but it needed to end and that's fine and there's nothing wrong with that and Mm -hmm. and I think also in our line of work it's a sh- it's it shifts and it molds and it changes as you age and as your art shifts and molds and changes and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that's part of this is like mm-hmm. lovingly letting things go yeah. and 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 also learning how to say no to certain things over time and all that. That's that's part of the wisdom of this of what we do, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And I know that, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of kind of emerging artists that are listening mm-hmm. to your podcast. And so that just as a thought where it's like, okay, you, I know that you're going into this right now and you maybe can't have, ever see a side in which this wouldn't be what you want. Mm-hmm. Right. Just take a moment, think through that. Okay. What's going so well in my life other than this, that this just doesn't fit anymore. Or what if mm-hmm. I want it to look like this? What do I do then? You know? And, and that's great. Like it doesn't, uh, I am not saying like, this is not a covert, like have a plan B conversation. Yeah, this is a be, be practical about your business. Like mm-hmm. about, about where am I, you know, where am I making money? Where am I making impact? Where am I mm-hmm. doing the kind of work that I want to do? Right. And then sometimes, a, you know, you've heard it a million times in this conversation so far is that you get you know, four years down and a different type of opportunity opens up and you're like, oh my God, I want that in my life, right? What, what else mm-hmm. in my life is going to shift and change to make space for that? Right. And, and that's a great thing to think through. So mm-hmm. it's not, you never, yeah, you know, this mm-hmm. about me, you're never going to catch me being like, make sure you have a plan B like, no, yeah, everything I is think like, yeah, it's like, no offers client systems just over and over and over until you're done. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, friends, that's a big thing with Megan. Offers client systems. <laughs> it works like, though. Right? It's like that's yeah. your business. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I go back to that a lot. You should know. I go back to that a lot. And and I actually tell people, 
I don't necessarily do this. I did a podcast about this, like a mini one, not too long ago. I do an audit. Like if I feel like I'm overwhelmed or getting stuck or I'm like, "Uh, something isn't working, Mm -hmm. I will back my butt up and I'll go, okay, what's working and what's not? What do I like? What do I not like? And then I do an audit and I go, and I'm a big like minimalist house cleaner. Yes. Which is the polar opposite of my partner, but that's beyond the point. (laughs) I kind of drive him nuts. He's like, why do you throw everything away? I'm like, Sorry. Um, <laughs> I just, I like to clean. Um, yeah. But like, I'm the kind of person that if I haven't worn that shirt in a year, it's going like, like right. it's yeah. being donated. Like, you know, yeah. so I do the same thing in my singing and business life. It's just like, okay, what's working? Yeah. What's not working? Let's get rid of the things that aren't working. Mm-hmm. And let's focus on what is working and or that I like to do and like let's get rid of all of this other garbage and then it's like you take out the garbage of that and you're like ah I feel better and I have to do it every once in a while because you know me and Megan are very similar in that I just kind of pick things up and put them in my basket and then like (laughs) sometimes the basket gets too full and I'm like hey I've cleaned the basket (laughs) yeah I'm like oh I gotta let go of some of these things and I'm like but I (sighs) but i've had them for so long (laughs) i know i know um yeah and i mean yeah i it's it's such a good thing to do to just kind of like take a personal audit and go okay what's working what's not working what can i clean out of my like career closet so to speak well and also i love in an audit when you ask yourself like what's working what's not working and then with both of those if you ask yourself are there systems, resources, or other mm. tools that would change the situation? Yes. Right? Because mm-hmm. that's for both what is working and what's not working. Because like yes. it would make sense to do that, obviously, for what's not working. If it's not working, do I need to add something or do I need to like let this one lovingly go? Mm-hmm. But also for what is working, taking a closer look at those and then going, what systems, tools, resources, et cetera, would change this fundamentally or like you know expand this right yeah. in the way that I'm looking for so that can look like a lot of things because that can look like people that can look like funding that can look like you know a tech technology like that can yeah. look like a whole bunch scheduling of stuff. software whatever yeah. you need mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. yeah. I'm the master of scheduling software right amazing <laughs> it makes my life so much easier when I discovered that people could schedule themselves I'm like my life changed life-changing it was so life-changing I was like I just send them a link and they schedule themselves right actually (laughs) you can talk about this because like (laughs) no because like over pandemic or right that you know three months into pandemic I was it's like desperately missing connecting with you know friends and and people in my community that I would have seen because of gigging or traveling or conferences or whatever and and that was one of the the reasons that I started doing as like you know I like let's meet virtually right that's fine and mm-hmm. then one-on-one you can really you can still really have some some good conversations and so I just while we were in that then time period I was just sending out you know so to people and just being like hey I probably would have bumped into you at something by now but because I'm at home, I'm not. Want to get together for a Zoom? <laughs> like, yeah. I call those and, virtual coffees. 
<laughs> exactly. Right. Mine is a virtual happy hour. And that tells you the difference about our drinks. Uh, I will do so. a virtual happy hour. Although I, I am a beer drinker. I'm so Irish. It's gross. But like, you know, I mean, every like you, you have like your fancy cocktail and I'll be here with like my IPA. Like, Love it. It all works. Know, it right? all it works. works. <laughs> but that's, you know, we talked about like, also going back to one of my other rule of threes, cause I love them, you know, it's like the, the, your, your skills, your craft, your network and your materials, right? The network mm-hmm. part is so important. It's staying connected, but in an authentic, like a real way, knowing mm-hmm. things about each other and that, and having that taken away was so hard. Ugh. I don't care where you are on the introvert extrovert, like spectrum, like having so true. a community at some level is necessary mm-hmm. to us as humans, right? So so however you want to go about that, and you don't have to pick mine, but that that feeling of like staying staying in relationship with each other, even when the circumstances change, even when mm-hmm. things are wildly different, but just finding ways. And so when you brought up like the, the scheduling tools, it's like, oh, you know why? It's life-changing because it allows me to get to that thing, which is still being in real positive relationship with people. Right. And if I have a scheduling tool, boom, I get to that so much faster. So I know, much faster so much faster. <laughs> um, that is so true. And like, that was the thing. I don't, I don't know about you. Now I am a bleeding introvert. People don't believe me, <laughs> but it's actually true. Very introverted person. <laughs> Um, I just like, I always tell my students at school, I'm like, I'm an actor, guys. Yeah, yeah. Make it seem like I'm not. Because like, they're like, you're an introvert, we don't believe you. And I'm like, dude, when I walk out of this door, Mm -hmm. it's like me, my cat, and some bad reality TV, man. Yes. And I have like, and I will, and I cook at home 90% of the time. Like, I am really like very introverted. Um. But it's really interesting because during the pandemic, mm-hmm. man, that was the toughest part I felt like for, especially those of us in a career like music, like, and it was funny because my parents are both in the medical field. Yeah. And one of the things my dad brought up is he's like, you know, I actually get to see my colleagues every day. Yep. And he's like, that I think makes a big difference because I can feel the malaise of other people because they're not seeing anybody like they're not interacting with anybody and having the conversations they would have normally had right um beyond their like very small bubble of people yeah and so it and for me at least i got into music very much for the community aspect i think most of us do because we find we find the people to get us you know, yeah. like, oh, I was that kid in high school. And look, there's other that kids from, <laughs> right? you know, that get me and understand me. And, and so then you get into this group of people and you make stuff together that's very vulnerable and intimate. And then that was taken away yeah, <laughs> very right? abruptly. Um, yeah. And it was not within our control. And I think that that was a very hard for our community yeah. for two years. Oh, yeah. And now we're, oh yeah. And I just remember I went to the first show on Broadway after the shutdown. Uh, We got free, we got free tickets to (gasps) Passover, which on top of it was this like 
unbelievable story about police yeah. brutality and it was very intense i call it eat your wheaties theater it was like yeah yes you know yeah. it's like you're going in there and you're going to use your brain uh -huh. like we're, we're not we're not watching like you know and <laughs> you're ready to feel is, your feelings <laughs> there is there is nothing wrong with this theater at all because i love it too but it's yes. no like happy go lucky anything goes like we're no. gonna go eat some wheaties yes. and think yes. about social justice yeah. um but i remember walking into that theater and sitting down and everybody you know sitting in that theater they said oh we're the first show back and just like the emotion Mm -hmm. <laughs> that came out of people and yes. it was like wow like this is what we missed this is Ugh. such a need yeah. of humanity oh you know? absolutely we need absolutely. to sit together in this space and all have an experience and we need to like feel together and and uh you know and and yes we also had to be safe but like we yeah. needed to feel together and I think that was the thing we lost through those two years of the pandemic that now people are like, no, that actually is a huge need. Oh, um, absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think about that. Well, I did. I thought about that so much during that time, because especially as a performer who performs in a lot of intimate spaces. So I'm like very yeah, much like do. with the audience, like right yeah. there, right. In a lot of, a lot of contexts and, and the, Hmm. the feel the the ability to tap into the energy and and what the audience needs from you and what you are creating together in that space mm -hmm. is so just I mean so intoxicating to me as an individual as an artist that mm -hmm. I'm like Same. I love this but also it just gave me so much time to think about what we commit to with each other when we're in live performance <sighs> And, yes. and how we, and sitting there in the space and the, the act of being a witness to live performance, I think is mm -hmm. so, so wonderful, so humbling, also mm -hmm. so, so huge in a way where it's mm -hmm. like, you have, you have chosen, and I don't take this for granted ever, right. which is, especially with the stuff that I do, is that each listener in that space chose to give me those precious moments of their life yes, without even knowing what was going to happen. Cause I'm about to mm -hmm. sing something probably brand new to them. They have mm -hmm. never heard this before. Like mm -hmm. they decided to give me these, however many minutes it is of mm -hmm. time that they'll never get back in their life for something that is completely unfamiliar to them. Yes. And it's my job to reward them for that choice. Yes. And that we are in that moment together mm -hmm. and I am showing up for them and they're showing up for me. And it's so, it, it is so meaningful that that, right. that, in that way. And I mm -hmm. cannot get over it. And I just love doing it all the time that I'm just like, oh yeah, I love that space. And I love just the way that it encourages us to be more human together. Right. And also to be, yes more thoughtful it's like we can't you know i've been thinking a lot about somebody told me this phrase like uh mirror mirrors windows sliding doors right i somebody told me this phrase recently where it's like sometimes the artwork reflects us like a mirror sometimes we're looking through a window at something sometimes so it's good. like a sliding door that we can walk oh my god whoever that and is yeah <laughs> like, they just said it like everybody knows this thing and i was like oh my god that's I'm so like brilliant. writing it down 
And, and I took that on. I was like, Oh, that's exactly it. Right. It's like, I am so thankful for all of the various kinds of art that I get to go to art that sometimes reflects me. Sometimes it doesn't reflect me at all, but it's a window or it's a sliding door. And that is what's so incredible and beautiful. And we get to make that we get to make it. (laughs) And so I'm just like the, all of that time to think about it when we couldn't necessarily be doing the thing. Mm -hmm. We were doing it in very different ways, like live streaming, broadcasting, all of that kind of stuff. We had figured out a lot of things. Yeah. Very important. And then, but I just had a lot of, you know, I guess I didn't have a lot of time, but I had time to think about Mm -hmm. what, I, what exactly I was needing and missing in that time period about live performance. Mm-hmm. And as I'm choosing the things that I'm doing next now in this time period is with that, that intention, right. Is bringing yes. that, that part of myself to it and going like, I, I know, I know this. And I want to make sure that every time we show up in that space together, that, that I've, rewarded you for making the choice but also that I am coming to this to share right I Mm -hmm. am coming to be in this together the other one I I always love to say is like I always think about creating performance like um like I've made a treehouse that I'm really really proud of right and it's like and I'm like okay so I made this treehouse. It's like all these comfy blankets and there's like twinkle lights and everything all around. And we're going to get in there and we're going to tell stories and we're going to do things. And we're going to play games. And I was like, do you want to come into my treehouse with me? <laughs> like, I'm just like, I love that the way that I think about it. And that's the way that I think about my interaction as a performer with the audience is mm-hmm. that I'm inviting them into my treehouse to, to like do all of this stuff mm-hmm. together. But it's not the same if they're not there, right? So, so true. You like Ugh. part of the act is inviting them in, and their choice to join me in there changes the performance overall and how we do that together. Because it's like every oh, audience so is different, and the more mm-hmm. that we're paying attention to like how they're choosing to be in the space with us, is mm-hmm. it it gives you different things you know what to bring to that and that's that kind of stuff as an artist that I'm just like I didn't know that when I was in my 20s I felt that I was excited about those kinds of things and I knew that it was powerful but the more or the farther I've gotten into doing this kind of work the more I was able to articulate why it felt like that to me or Mm -hmm. what I'm actually inviting people into together Mm -hmm. and so those are my that that I just love and can't I'm eager hungry to like have more of those moments together right I just Mm -hmm. want to kind of keep creating those whatever it is if I'm joining somebody else's thing that they're putting their their treehouse that they're creating right or whatever I'm trying to create and making more opportunities for that and also to show up as a listener to show up as that witness to the art it's not one or the other it's like as artists we're not we're Mm -hmm. not like non-audience members it's so important because I know to be a person who shows up and like witnesses the art that my colleagues and friends and like you know everybody around me is making and being like oh yes I'm here for Mm -hmm. this like this is what we do yeah wow (laughs) 
and that's a good place for us to wrap it up i was gonna say i was like <laughs> man i got nothing after that that's i'll play this shit on repeat megan um <laughs> no that was really good i i really I thank you so much for this conversation. I mean, every time we talk, it's fabulous. Oh, yes. But, uh, I, I feel the same way. I love yeah. talking to you. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. And uh, yeah. So thank you so much. And uh, thank you. hopefully there'll be a next time. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. <laughs> totally. All right. Sing strong, friends. <laughs>